Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darling. Finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the Top End. Recording live here in Brinken, the beautiful Brinken, Robbie the Guru. Hale, you are joined... Well, I'm joined by you. You're not joined by me. It's the pleasure. <laughs> the pleasure is all mine, mate. How are you on this Friday morning? Yeah, good, mate. It was a good, another good weekend of uh, Territory Forty, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, we're really getting into this. Uh, st- st- uh, what do you call it? The bloody swing the of things. F- swing of things and a big player signings at Buffalo's, mate. That you can talk about it. Uh, oh, talk yes. through with us. Yep. Yeah. So obviously, there's some big signings across the whole NTFL, and the Kai Cocker two for districts announced to play, and then the three big signings that will play tonight for the Darwin Buffaloes. But across the board, it just has been a pretty good start to the season, hasn't it? There's been a few mm. twists and turns. Most teams have been looking competitive. You know, Palmerston are the only team without a win, but even even the Magpies, they've shown some signs and they'll get some wins throughout the year. So it's been a really good start to the season. Definitely has, mate. And um, you factor in, you know, how even it is. And at this time last year, I think we did a power rankings, sort of club rankings, and that, that got a lot of traction. And... Um, be quite tricky to do it now because mm. of the ladders like Nycliffe, Buffs and Pine are the top three and it's, you've got Waratahs and Districts 5 and 8 and you've got St Mary's who some would argue are probably looking like the best side right now or a fourth so it's quite interesting isn't it? Yeah we almost need to wait a couple of weeks to yep. just let things stabilise a bit um, we won't spend the whole first session talking about your football and your coaching at the Banks Football Club but another win last weekend, how did that one go? Yeah, um, we started off pretty slow again. They had a big fella down at full forward. Um, I forgot his name. We should give him a shout-out. But we was getting the footy in hot, and our defenders weren't peeling off. So, um, oh, I thought you were talking about your own full forward that you didn't know his name. No, nah, no. Nah, the palmy, palmy full forward was looking a bit like um, Plugger out there. He was oh, getting yeah. it in pretty hot. And um, I think he kicked three first-quarter goals. So it was a four-goal to one quarter. And then we had sort of the scoring end in the second quarter, and we, we kicked a couple. But then... Yeah, lo and behold, they transitioned and got a couple of easy ones. And it just felt, halfway through the second quarter, I felt this isn't looking good. But we ended up getting away with the win. So that was uh, good. And yeah, didn't mind that in the end. Um, but in other news, yeah, I got me um, level three sorted, which oh, is good. You? Yeah. Is that so, a complicated process? A little bit. I think it's, oh, it's interesting. So there's many level three coaches running around, Robert? So. No, nah, there's not. Um yeah, I was able to. I got accepted into it, which is great. Um, AFL Victoria or AFL NT aren't chucking in anything for it, so I think that's a bit. I mean, I thought AFL NT would, yeah, but well, it's pretty disappointing. So I'm not too sure. They could develop their own coaches. Yeah, yeah they could do that. So I'm pretty. If I'm going to do a bad, that's probably my bad right now. But um, they were. I think they did. Were pretty good in getting me into the course. Um, but it's at the hangar, Tullamarine. So oh, yeah. it'll be good to be, um, return home Your home there. Ground. Yeah, <laughs> good to be back there and sign some autographs for the kids <laughs> no, at Tullamarine. Hey, um, that's enough about you, Robert. Uh, a very interesting NTFL Premier League round last weekend as we touched off the top. I thought the match of the round, which I probably won't get too many arguments, uh, was on last Friday night. We were in we'll attendance. There, yeah, Gardens Oval. Pint versus Waratah. Pint with one point win. Um, looking pretty good, the Grand Ants. We won't go through that game fully. Obviously, no. there's a bit to say about Waratah, and we will break the games down sort of in order to get some structure to the show. But... That was my match of the round last weekend, um, and it was good to watch some live footy. Definitely was, mate. But we can probably talk about it in some aspect. Is yep. the case the curious case of Waratahs? So, yeah. if Tiwi win this week, that'll put Waratahs to six. 
Wow. It's a quite an interesting predicament they find themselves in coming in. They do have some easier, in brackets, games coming mm. up, but nothing's ever easy with how even the competition is right now. Um, so it's an interesting one because I feel, Clarky, and, and you can have put your opinion, but I feel Waratahs have been building pretty strongly the last few years, and maybe they feel like they haven't got the respect that they probably deserve from the footy public up here, judging as well by the social media comments. And... It's, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. Like Now they've got the respect, I feel, on the field and the pressure has come. Well, what kind of respect do they really want? Like I think we mm. were fairly level-headed in our analysis of Waratah last year. In the finals, we had them as the premiership favourites and then they won the comp. Of course, there's going to be question marks when they stumble a couple of weeks before the finals as they did last year to St Mary's. It was a similar game to last week's game at TIO Stadium, mm. really, where... They go in, they're in winnable positions against Saints. They have a better team on paper, but they don't get the job done. And we saw that last week, you know. Mm. And I look, as we've said multiple times, districts were five minutes away from winning that grand final last year. And who knows if Saints had got there, whether they would be able to cause an upset against Tars. I don't think so. I think Waratah would have beaten Saints last year. Um, but the jury's still out in some aspects. You know, I still have Waratah as the team to beat this year. I still think if I was framing a market, I would have them as the premiership favourites. But... All of a sudden, as you said, they're in sixth position after four rounds, potentially, if Tiwi win this weekend, which is a tough job for Tiwi. But if they get the job done, that's where they'll be. So, um, yeah, an interesting spot. Do you Have you lost any faith in Waratah? Do you still think that they are the benchmark at the moment? I still... I don't know if they're the benchmark. You can't be sitting sixth and be the benchmark, in my opinion, I think. And they won't like hearing that. But right now, I think... Do you think they have the best team on paper? They've got Robbie... No, they've got Robbie Turnbull, Darcy Hope, and um, Will Collis are all listed as flyings. Mm. So that's that hurts when you've got blokes that were living here. I met Will Collis was a flying, I think, last year maybe. But you've got Darcy Hope and Turnbull flying in who were living here last year. So that's that stings a bit. Yeah, I don't reckon they'll win the flag with that flying group. Yeah. so which is, That yeah. might be a big call. But I just yeah. think you can't regress, which is what's happening if they weren't flyings and now they are flyings. Yep. And then... Expect well, to win a flag. The yeah. way it is, though, mate, they, they play Wanderers, but they actually play Tiwi the week later on, on the islands. So mm. that's a danger game. And then they play Palmy at TIO. So they can go three from three there, and then they come in versus Buffs, who will probably be sitting in the top three still. Big game there. Um, and Buffaloes have always been competitive against them, but without beating them. So that's at Gardens Oval. And also, like last week, mate, we both tipped Pines. So if we both had tipped Pines and they'd won, I, thought, I reckon we would have heard something about it. But mm. we, um, you know, we both tip pints, and albeit by a point. Um, I just think though the Waratahs play TIO Stadium a lot better than Gardens, and they like that ball movement. They like to sling the footy around, and a smaller contested oval, um, yeah, probably does isn't how their game plan sort of, you know, works. I don't no, feel exactly. All right, well, let's talk more about that game shortly. I think yep. maybe after an ad break or two. But what are we going to talk about today, Rob? So a couple of little notes that I'll go through. We have had a big week on the recruiting front, haven't we? We've had yep. three big returns, or one return in Mitch Robinson for the Darwin Buffaloes. And then, of course, he's bringing a couple of mates. Uh, Reese Matheson, who played 72 games for the Lions, and Blake Coleman, who spent the last three years on Brisbane's list as well. Pint... Um, 
are going about their business. I don't know why I mentioned Pint. St. Mary's have three <laughs> good signings as well, state league level types. And then, of course, Nikaya Cockatoo's big return. We'll touch on Tracy Village. I'm really interested in uh, the Tracy Village Football Club, where they sit in the context of the NTFL landscape. And I'm interested in your position. Obviously, they gave your reserves a touch-up last week, 144 points. Um, and then we'll talk about, obviously, all of last week's NTFL games, this week's NTFL games, the Women's Premier League we need to discuss. I've heard a rumour. I've heard a rumour, Rob, that the top end 10's back. Any any rumours? Any truth to that? Yeah, definitely. Um, we've, it's an interesting one, We've eh? done some tweaking. Um, there's definitely what, one, two, three, four. Four new players that have, didn't make it last year that definitely played, so it's interesting. So we'll te- we're going to go to a break soon. We'll tease it a little bit, but what do you reckon the backlash we're going to get on the top end 10? Do you reckon that our selections are going to be well received by the footy public up here? No. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. cool. I think I think we don't have enough Waratah boys. No. <laughs> uh, I think that'll be one of them. I think um, we are missing a couple of prolific ball winners. But mm. when you're in the bottom end sides, I think I don't mind putting in the blokes in the top sides. And people will disagree with me on that. But that's always been my mantra a bit. So Yeah, I don't think we've ever done a list that hasn't copped some level of criticism. But mm. we saw eye to eye for the most part. There were a couple of players that we were sort of... I reckon if we'd both had to do our own individual list, there'd be a couple of changes, but nothing too crazy. Most of the top five is the same. And we've come up with one that we both mutually agreed upon. So we will reveal that very, very shortly here at SEN Fridays in the top end. But it is time for a quick break. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. I am Jacko and I'm joined by Robbie the Guru Hale. Robbie, we love talking local footy, so let's digest last week's entertaining round of NTFL action. Of course, the Friday night game was the match of the round. We were there under lights at Gardens Oval on Friday night. Pint 10-9-69 defeated Waratah 9-14-68. A really, really high contest, uh, high, uh, high quality contest, I should say. Um, Pint led for most of the game. They sort of looked in control, 14 points at half time, 13 at three quarter time. But then Waratah really surged early in that last quarter, got into a winning position. I think they might have been about nine or 10 points up at one stage, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And then Pint hit back hard and got the two last goals of the game. So an entertaining contest. Uh, Pint named Stephen Motlop best. Um, very, very surprised that Matt Ryan, their skipper, was not named in the best. I thought that he was in the top three most influential players on the ground, let alone his football club. So a bit of a surprise there. But That what? goes the other way as well with Chloe Clarkey. Arnold Kirby was named fifth best for Waratahs. Yeah, what is going on there? <laughs> he was a clear on best on for He was mine. a clear best on ground for, for Waratah. That's, well, look, let's just talk about the game first before we criticise these best players because I'm pretty confused now looking at these best players. But <laughs> the game itself was, was a ripper, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, definitely was a ripper, Clarkey. And um, I was, you know, obviously I tipped pints and that, but I definitely thought, you know, after... The, I think Waratahs kicked probably two or three goals in the first two or three minutes. So it was a goal a minute. And mm. they looked way above their classy players. Uh, Brody Carroll was getting on top of it. Um 
thought Carlin Mankara. had a good game. Yeah, Carlin was good as well. Um, and Mankara got, um, kicked that goal. And I just thought, geez, Waratah's going to the scoring end. They, they won't, you know. Mm. Um, but they'll be ruining their mistakes. Uh, Will Sparksy, um Clark missed that goal in front. Um, that was a pretty bad one. And, you know, if he kicks that, it's pretty much game over, you'd imagine. So... You know, there, there was definitely aspects, and it had aspects of last week written all over it again, didn't it, uh, mm. for Waratahs? And obviously that will be sixth, but it's not going to be um, doom and gloom, but, you know, probably finishing on top of the ladder could be a bit unlikely at this stage. What are your thoughts on Waratahs' forward line? So I keep singing the praises of their forward line on paper. Uh, Mankara, Jaden Magro, Darcy Hope. Uh, you know, Dwayne Kiranu is a small forward. They've got Toby Hutt, who I think's an interstate player coming up. Um, he kicked three goals on the weekend. But they've kicked 9-14 as a team, and I don't think their forward line looks any better than it did last year in the way it's functioning, despite looking better on paper. So what's your read on Waratah's forward line at the moment? Uh, Darcy Hope, four possessions. You know, is he able no, to have the impact not... that he can um, with Mankara there? Like, is it a bit crowded up there is what I'm trying to say? Oh, Maybe. Um, I didn't know he had four touches. That's really, that's, you know, that's not great. Um, because I do sing his praises a lot, you know what I mean? So, you know, that's well, pretty... He's a good footballer, rightly yeah, so. But... Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they've all... I think those the boys are a bit all similar types. You know, Mankara, um, is it Karen Ura? Mm. Yeah, young Dwayne and and um, Kirtley yep. Silver. Kirtley Silver up there, I, yeah. I, I definitely thought Mankara was pretty much well held, I thought. Um to the point where I don't, I didn't, I advocated for him not to be in the SEN top end ten, really. Mm, controversial. Um, controversially, just because I thought the Pines bloke had him pretty yeah. much cold. Um, he kicked those two goals, which were probably the two best goals of the round, almost. So, um, but what did Mankara finish with disposal wise? I haven't got the eight possessions and yeah. two goals. Yeah, it was a low disposal game. So Tars, you had one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players had under ten possessions. Yep. So it was a low possession game on the weekend. Who went to him? Was it that Richie Pendle? Yeah, uh, Richie Pendle. The, I think um, played a real negating role because he just had the two possessions, the three one percenters. But surely that was just a, a genuine lockdown role. Don't worry about the footy. Just just stop Mankara. Yeah, I reckon. That, yeah, that's an interesting matchup. I'd like to see Mankara get up the ground more. Mm. Um, I think. He can get stuck in some bad habits if he's playing forward and deep. Um, What's like that, to, like waiting for the ball out wait the back? For, waiting for it out the back. I think if he can run up and, and work up the ground and then turn his defender inside out, that's where he's going to beat that sort of match-up. Um, but, you know, Thomas Motlop, I thought, went back the clock a bit. He looked a bit groggy on his feet. Um, well, I thought he might, might have been carrying an injury, but he was actually quite influential as well. And just having his smarts around the contest was really good. And... Stephen was pretty good as well. I thought Matt Ryan was best on, but I was surprised not to see him in the best players at all as well. So, yeah. Um, but Stephen's touches are pretty influential, aren't they? Yeah, and I think another aspect of Stephen's game that was impressive was seven tackles. He yeah. Wanderers lost to Buffaloes. Um, I think it might have been that game, or at least the week before. Uh, no, sorry, Pints lost to Buffaloes. That's what I was thinking of. Silly me. Uh, round one, and he was good, Stephen, but he didn't lay any tackles, and there was probably some level of criticism directed about whether, um, you know, he's got to do the defensive stuff as well as a midfield because there's no question he's attacking in his offense. Mm. But seven tackles on the weekend, and it was a hard game to get a kick uh, on Friday night, but Stephen, I thought, put his head over the ball and really inserted himself into the game when Pints needed a leader and needed someone to sort of grab it by the scruff of the neck. Stephen put his hand up and, and sort of took that role. So 15 disposals and a goal, not crazy numbers for an extra AFL player, but um, still a really good game, I thought, and definitely among Pint's top three players. Are we in agreement that Matt Ryan was definitely overlooked for that for in the best players, and that's a bit of a strange one? 
Yep, definitely. Like, I, I think people just don't understand when you're a big forward and um, I wouldn't Matt Ryan kick goal-wise. It was... Well, Pint had three contested marks for the game. He took all three of them. He kicked three goal three, the 12 disposals, six marks in total. Five three marks goals. Total. Yeah. Yeah, no, I three thought... Three score involvements. Yeah, no, very... Like, I overlooked him when you're looking at the stats and... Um, especially when the game, I think he was a part of turning the game in that second quarter. He's definitely going to require a matchup moving forward. Next game, mate, uh, Palmy versus Tiwi Bombers. So this is a game that we all predicted probably that Tiwi were going to get the win, um, and they did come out of the uh, go into the scoring and came out of the gate. Do you reckon we'll talk about this one after, Rob? I'm pretty sure we're getting told we need to clear a break, so we'll yep. get this one out of the way. But you're right. I'm glad you jumped to that because that's a big, big game to talk about. Plenty more to come here on Fridays on the top end. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Robbie, we're about a month away from the AFL draft and a little bit quiet, I must admit, when it comes to Northern Territory prospects. We're going to have to scrape around and see if anyone's a chance to get picked up in a month's time, but I haven't heard a lot of news. I don't know if you're hearing any different, but one man that will get drafted is Harley Reid. Now, I heard an interesting thing. I was listening to a podcast. I believe it was the Dylan Friends podcast with Dylan Buckley. Mm. And he was alongside another uh, prospective top five, top ten pick in Nick the Wizard Watson. But they asked Harley Reid about his plans over the next month. And he mentioned that he was going to come up to Darwin for a kick. He said he has some mates up here from Tongala that he's going to have a kick with. Um, and then he'll go watch them play footy. So it'd be cool to see Harley Reid up in the territory. It'd be cool to get him on the show. I wonder if there's any chance of getting that happening. Um, mm. But secondly, what clubs are you going to be at? Have you heard any little rumours? Who has the link with Tongala? Is it the, is it the Tigers by any chance? Yeah, I think Nycliffe have a few boys that are uh, moving, coming back up. So a few of those boys will be at Trana next week, perhaps, I'm, I think I've heard. Um, obviously, I've got Cobb and McCarthy mm. staying with me at the moment. He's a Tongala boy, and he, that's the information he told me. So... Um, yeah, no hot off the press. There's no chance I'm going to come around, come around for a couple of beers and see Harley Reid on the couch. Any other mind? Nah, no chance. It would have been good if uh, Cobble was at our training um, next week, but he's got to fly back this, Arvo, uh, th- this weekend. Sorry. Damn, it wouldn't have been the day. Yep. Oh, well, very good player, Harley <laughs> Reid. Um, plenty more to come. We'll have to talk about all the local footy stuff uh, yep. and get still get stuck into last weekend's interesting round of football. Stay with us at SEN Fridays on the Top End. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. My name is Jacko. I'm joined by Robbie the Guru Hale. It is time for one of our favourite segments. I love doing this last season and it's back, the Top End 10, where we... How would you describe this, Rob? A list of... Our rolling list of top... 10 players in the NTFL competition that's based mainly on current form and the performances of the current season, not necessarily past reputations and things like that. So, Yeah, for me, it's absolutely not based on any past reputation. So purely just on current form and yep. how they've gone that season. Yep, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. I'm a little more on the fence-ish, but we 
we get a good mix and we normally come up with a list that we can agree on or at least mostly agree on and then present it to the public and mm. uh, offer some, you know, chance for advice, chance for criticism. So let's start with our list. We want to start at number 10, we normally do. Yep, so number 10, uh, Pints player Matt Ryan. So obviously the key forward. A new um, entrant. Yep, new entrant, never been in it before. So um, I thought he was really good on the weekend. And, and it's important that it's our list as well, mate. Mm. It's, you know, Matt Ryan wasn't putting the best players on the weekend, which we've already spoken about, but we both thought he was pretty instrumental, maybe better than Stephen or at that level that Stephen was. So oh, I thought he was. Yep. Yeah. So Matt Ryan for us. So Matt Ryan for me looks like a yep. player who a lot of people in the NTFL might sort of underestimate a little bit, having come from Pint and not necessarily as that huge reputation forward from down south or ex-AFL player or anything like that, but has a great set of hands on him. Um, clearly the captain of the club, so must have great leadership. But yeah, I don't hear too much negativity about Matt Ryan. He's definitely playing a great role. One of the better centre-half forwards so far this year. Number nine. Number nine is Kim Cantilla. So oh, killer. Killer Cantilla. So obviously... Uh, first time debutante for him yeah. um, we find that he's moved back from uh, Adelaide and it seems like he's back for good um, and he does look a level above most other players out there doesn't he? He looks like a state leaguer now he looks yep. like a player that has come and had some really good seasons at South Adelaide which is what he did um, and now he's sort of reaped that benefit and that improvement that comes with spending time on a sandful list and he looks ready to go. He looks like the best player just about in his position in the competition and 17 disposals, four goals last week. 100% deserves his spot on the list, Kim Cantilla. No arguments from me. Number eight. Number eight is the uh, Nate Paredes, the former uh, St. Mary's captain. It's a familiar name. Very familiar. Um, He's a late entrant Um, after last Mm. week. He was very good, I thought, watching the game back. Um... And, yeah, you, you were big on bringing him in. So, Nate Paredes is in. Pretty hard to look at the stats and watch the first three games and not find a spot for him somewhere. I mm. think Nate Paredes. He was the choice where, like you said, a late entrant. We were sort of maybe looking for reasons to not put him in just because of how consistent and the, the level he's consistently played at over the last four, five, six years in the NTFL. But... Very hard to leave the Saints champ out. So number eight is Nate Paredes. Number seven? Number seven is Stephen Motlop. So Stephen's had a pretty good, reasonably good start to the year, but you can't say his number's anywhere near what he started with last year when we named him number one. Um, so, But his touches haven't been as high, have they? But they've been influential nonetheless. Yeah, I agree. Um, a tricky spot for him to be in, obviously changing clubs and adjusting to a new setup. Mm. They play a very different style, Pints, to what Wanderers do, so that makes it even more difficult for Motlop. But yeah, you're right, not huge numbers, but still having a big impact, and number seven sounds about right for me. Number six. Number six is new, um, Bo Swartz from Southern mm. Districts. Um, so Bo, I thought, was pretty good um, in, the, in their first round game when they got smashed by Tars. 30 touches. 30 touches and was pretty highly effective, I feel. I think stats-wise, um, looking back at that game, and I think they gave him second, third, fourth best. But clearly, I thought he was probably best. So Bo Swartz has been going about it pretty well. And maybe, I think he has moved back to Darwin, I'm guessing. So 24 touches, three goals last week as well, yep. or a fortnight ago, and was pretty handy last week in the loss to St. Mary's. Very consistent season, Bo Schwartz. I think that's one that people will look at. If you haven't watched much NTFL football, if you've been watching the last couple of years, you might look at that list and think, oh, gee, Bo Schwartz, he must be having a good season. But he does look like the big improver of the comp so far. Um, started really, really well for the Crocs. So number six is Bo Schwartz. Number five, the top five. Top five. Uh, it's, it's our man, Brody Philo. Mm. So Brody's 
Um, adapting to a new coach, um, getting some good midfielders around him um, now compared to last season, perhaps. And, um, yeah, he's, he's made himself back in there again. I think he finished third or fourth last year. So it's good to have Brody back in the uh, top end 10. Robbie, do you think Brody would be happy with his fifth spot? No. no. No way. He'd still think he's the best player in the comp, and rightly so, maybe. Oh, yeah, and I think form guide-wise... It's not uh, a criticism on nah. Brody either. He's right right up there. If we're looking at the form guide, he you know, had a good game against Wanderers last week, but watch yeah. what Dill, Anton, um, Paredes do this week against Wanderers. So, yeah. I well, think... He yeah. did set a high bar, so the benchmark now is 34-2. and two. 34 touches, two goals is what Philo got last week, so... He's thrown out the challenge to land. Yep, that's a challenge then. Probably come out and get Whack that in there. Three. Number but four. Number four. Is your man, Baxter Mench, at the Buffaloes, come across from Palmy. So, obviously, a ball yeah. magnet, isn't he? So Stand at my house. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. He's got the, I've been cooking in the magic breakfast, mate. Yeah. Well, you but, barely um, tell me these things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Baxter. Just flying in. Yep, living in the Clark household. So, that must be reason behind the success there for him. Yep, so 41 possessions and 30 possessions yep. in his two games. Very, very difficult, Rob, to not include a bloke in the top five when they're averaging 35.5 in two wins. Um, I'm impressed with how well he's been able to adjust to a new system coming across from Palmerston and slotting into that midfield alongside uh, Jared Stokes. Buffaloes have never really had like a pure accumulator-type mm. footballer, so it was interesting to see how Baxter would go. And he hasn't skipped a beat. He has been very, very good in his double blue colours. Um, if Jared hasn't got three best on... Sorry, two best on grounds. Uh, Baxter Mench will be picking up the votes as well. So, very good player and a very good acquisition for the Buffaloes. Number three. Number three is Arnold Kirby. So, the big Kirby. Um, very active on your socials. Mm. And Kerbs, I thought, has been very good. Um, he's added that more. I think he was doing it last year, but he's getting center clearances as well as rock taps. So, he's been pretty dominant. Yeah, very physical player. High clearance numbers, high contested ball numbers, high tackle numbers. Um I think the best ruckman in the comp right at the moment. Obviously, Matt Dennis is going to put his claim in for that. And, and once Dennis gets up and going, it's going to be very hard to take the mantle off. Dennis is the number one ruck in the comp. Ben Archard's another one who I've been speaking to quite a bit over the last fortnight. And he's raring to go for the Darwin Buffaloes. Obviously, a f- two years ago, he was the rep side ruckman and the NT News Player of the Year. So he's another good Ruckman that will enter the NTFL. But for now, it's all Arnold Kirby, number three. And I reckon that he deserves his spot. Definitely. Top, uh, top two now, top Rob. Two. So this is re- gets really interesting because we spoke during the week and we thought that the top two had kind of separated themselves uh, mm-hmm. from the rest of the list, or at least I did. I think there's, these top two players are a standout. Not much between them, though. Not much between these top two. But let's go with number two. Number two is Dill Lant. So... Obviously, Dean Staunton did tag him last week, which sort of put the clamps on him going to number one. Um, but Dill Lance had an amazing season. Southern just, uh, no, who was it? Waratahs didn't go near him last last week. 32-4. Um, yep, that was the week before last week's game, sorry. And he was pretty good in round one, but not highly efficient with mm. his disposals. And on the weekend, he had 26, but not, St. Mary's didn't name him in the best. So I think Dean Staunton did nullify his possessions a bit there. Definitely, but it's still shows you what a good player he is, that he can have a quote-unquote bad game or down game and still have 26 touches, most for his team, and clearly still would have had an impact in some capacity on the weekend, even if it wasn't, uh, you know, his usual super high standard. So Dylan Lant, um, obviously the player of the year last year, won just about every award you possibly could and hasn't skipped a beat to start this season, but he has not got the mantle as the best player in the competition after three rounds. Who... Robbie Hale is number one in the first top end 10. 
Jared Stokes from Buffaloes. So, Jared Stokes. Yep. So he's had it, he's only had the two games, but this is what happens when we got the bye. So I think after round three, I think we've got enough evidence, and we'll name this name it again at round five. But he's you know goal kicking ability as well as racking up some touches is um, pretty prolific right now, and he's looking very fit, isn't he? But you could tell me more being a Buffaloes assistant coach. Yeah, so Jared Stokes, obviously the skipper. He's been the captain for the last seven years. I don't think I've seen him looking fitter and his body composition Mm. looking better than what he does at the moment. Um, Doesn't get enough credit for how professional he is and and how he leads by example with the way he prepares himself and the way he approaches training these days, especially as he's gotten a bit older and and developed as a footballer. Um, But I think what sets Jared apart from Dylan Lanton, and you really could flip a coin between those two players and who you want to rate as the best player in the competition, but... Gee, Jared is so influential. How many times has he just put his football club on his back and said, come with me, boys, we're getting this win? Um, you know, even last week against Wanderers, I, I spoke to everyone at halftime and I said, guys, I know I said this on radio the other week, but like, let's not make this another Jared Stokes game. Let's not make Jared Stokes have to win it for us in his 200th game. And yet, lo and behold, when Wanderers made a bit of a comeback and we were sort of nine points down, eight points down, um, Jared inserted himself into the game, got a high free kick, kicked his third goal. Finished with 20 disposals, three goals. The week before, he had 34 possessions against the Pint, so getting decent numbers. I wouldn't begrudge anyone that has Dylan Lant over Jared Stokes still, but I think if you had to pick one player for an NTFL game um, you know, tomorrow... I'd, I'd have Jared Stokes starting in the guts over any other footballer in the competition. Yep. Well, those two are going to be very hard to beat. But also, um, Clarky, I think we go through the um, unluckies. Yeah. I've got eight to name here, and I could be missing some. Right. Um, you go through some of your honourables, and I'll see if you miss any. Yep, that's the best way to do it. I think Scooter Carlin's been good for Waratahs. Mm-hmm. Um, Dill Collis has been good for Waratahs as well. Big Tex Carrera. I think how you say that. I'm very bad pronouncing names. K O R E W H A. The the school teacher. Yeah. No, look, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> but he went to Dennis on the weekend and, yep. and went well, and uh, and also Matt Dennis as well. Um, uh, you know, unlucky. Ash Hams is averaging high touches as well as Young at Palmy. So those two. Yep. I think Young's one that we haven't spoken about at all on this show no. that we might soon. Yep. I think he's a highly credentialed player. Tiwi Bombers captain Brendan Cantilla has yes. been good. Um, he's probably just on the cusp as well. And I've got Nathan Arben from Wanderers. And I don't know who I'm missing, but am I missing someone, Clucky? Uh, I think given that he has kicked 10 goal 10 in three games, Anthony Mankara would be yep. somewhere in the periphery. You know, he's only another bag or two away from sneaking in. I, um, I thought Jackson Calder was best on ground last weekend. So he's a watch, obviously, first two weeks. You know, he missed one week and then the first week he was injured and didn't play much footy. So absolutely no complaints that he's not on the list, but he's definitely a watch. You know, a couple more weeks of Calder playing good footy and he probably sneaks up there. And there's a kid named Seth Harris at St. Mary's. Yeah. I want to keep, an, keep put a watch on him because I feel like um, watching the game back last week, he got a he got a bit of it. It was around the footy, and he's only 18. So, so is recruit. he? Is he from the? He's from like the in Victoria, Mornington area, away I think or so, yeah. Peninsula? Something. I, I might got, just be making up words here. But let me have a quick look, mate. I oh, think that's where he's from. No, let no, me, no, give, no, let me try get you do that. Yeah, I reckon that Braden McLean has yeah. started. Yeah, that's that's the area I was thinking of. Frankston Bombers. So Braden McLean and uh, as you mentioned, Nathan Arbin for Wanderers have been consistent. But we sort of get into those positions, I reckon, when we determine these lists that you sort of have to split a few. Like, for example, Arben and Paredes was one that I thought this week was a bit of a, oh, who do you go with? And Arben's been really good, but 
Paredes is just getting it done for a team that's winning games of football more. So that's sort of how we've determined yep. some players when it's sort of a toss of the coin between the two. But yep, definitely. Yeah, apart from adding McLean and Mankara to your list, um, that, you know, of the honourables. And there's probably a few more off the top that we've that we've missed out on. There's a couple more that, that will force their way in. Like, for example, you know, Jared Brander had a good game last week. If he can continue playing good footy, those three recruits for Nycliffe, I'm not too sure who's flying in and who's relocated, but they're all highly credentialed. So, Do you think Jed Anderson's unlucky or...? Um, no. I think Jed Anderson is a player who could definitely be in the top 10. And it does sound a bit silly, like a bloke straight from the AFL list, Jed Anderson not being in our, our top list. But I think on the surface, averaging 18 disposals, three tackles isn't enough just yet to get in there in a team that's one and two. So I don't have any issue with Jed Anderson not being on the list after three rounds. But yeah, I'd be surprised if Jed didn't put a bit of a claim into this top end 10 list at some point in the year, but not this week. So I'm happy with that list. I'm happy with that. Um, We will see how that unfolds over the course of the season and we'll um, chuck that up on the socials for anyone to impart their opinion so let us know where we got it wrong no doubt they will yeah definitely <laughs> but um we do need it's, to go to a break so we'll talk to we'll talk more about last weekend's ntfl preview all this weekend's game and everything else in the world of local and well footy nationally really sen fridays in the top end stay with us live on sen top end 16 11 a.m this is fridays in the top end with jackson clark raf clark and rob hale for rain and horn darwin Finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN's Fridays in the Top End. We are reviewing last weekend's NTFL games, round three. As we've said a couple of times already on the show, Rob, a very interesting round. We spoke mm. about Pints defeating Waratah 10-9-69 to 9-14-68. That was on Friday night under lights at Gardens Oval. St. Mary's versus Southern District was another interesting game, one of those real eight-point games with both of these two teams expected to challenge heavily in the finals come the pointy end of the season. The Saints 13-6-84 defeated Southern District's 10-12-72 last Saturday at Norbuilt Oval. Fair bit to discuss here, Rob, but rather than me giving my spiel and then you giving your spiel, we'll go back and forth a little bit. What did you think of this one? Yeah, it was quite a tricky one. Um, St. Mary's, obviously, you know, Southern District's having the more scoring shots, but Mm. Saints are up and about, and it was, you know, brought... They've got a couple of good recruits that have come in, haven't they? And Jackson Calder being back and... Big Tex, as you mentioned. Yep, um, and Calder giving them nightmares again, but, you know, having 18 touches and four goals. So, very interesting. He's good against the Crocs, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Um, It's an interesting one, though. You've got blokes like Sam Smith, who's a very good key back, played forward the whole game. So I wonder if that's something that Southern Districts will tweak in the future. Well, they're going to have to find a solution for Calder. Who did have the Calder matchup? We don't want to throw Mazzini. Yeah, I was about to say that. I didn't want to throw Mazzini under the bus, but um, that was who well, I thought. Well, he was thrown under the bus. <laughs> yeah, of Calder, here goes. The Calder bus. <laughs> Top on board. But, um, the champion. Yeah, nah. Um, Mazzini's a good player, though, too. He will respond. Um, competitive bloke, I'm sure he will 
want to yeah, lower footballer. Calder's colours next time they meet. But an interesting game. Calder was my best on ground. As you said, Dylan Lant fairly well held. Um, Matt Johnston is a good player for Southern Districts. He is one to watch. Yep. 26 disposals from the Ballarat League. Um, did they miss opportunities late in front of goal? I was watching most of the game just on my phone at the beachfront due to a, a Buffs club function. But mm. it was an entertaining game for what I watched. Like I said, I think Calder was a dominating presence. Um, but a few opportunities missed by the Crocs in front of goal. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, so they'll be ruining those mistakes, especially when you have more scoring shots. And it's interesting, Big Tex and Matty Dennis went head-to-head and mm. District's named Dennis third best and Saints named Tex second best. So yeah, it's funny how that happens. funny how that works. But uh, yeah, very interesting game of football and the Saints go marching, on, uh, marching in a bit. So I'm, I've almost got them as probably flag favourites at the moment. Yeah, I'm not sure if I would go that far, but in saying that, the two recruits, which we will touch on shortly, have actually swayed my opinion a little bit. I think those two recruits that Saints have signed during the week are going to have a big, big impact on mm. that football club. So talk about that a little later. We'll put that Saints Districts game to bed. Yep. Last one, I thought Jared Brander uh, played his best game in Crocs Colours too, the XAFL player. Yep. Palmerston and Tiwi Bombers was the third game of the round. Tiwi Bombers, they... Got the job done. 13-11-89, yep. defeated the Magpies 6-10-46. Terrio Stadium, fast game of football, typical Tiwi style. And the Bombers are looking good, aren't they? Definitely are. Moving the football quickly. Kim Cantilla and Brendan Cantilla obviously been pretty prolific for them. Mm. Um, Kimmy kicking four goals, which is great. Um, Timmy Timmy Barbui looked all right as well. He mm-hmm. kicked two. Um, Trey Bunnell, as you put on your page as well, played for um, Palmy. But, yeah, Palmy, I think, might be going down the path of maybe playing kids now, perhaps. Um, so we were a bit sure on where they were going to land this season, but it looks like that's the path they're going down this season. Is that correct? Well, do you reckon it was forced? Like, due to lack of availability with recruits, or maybe their recruiting mm. didn't go as well, or their preseason didn't go as well as they thought, so then they've now taken this approach. I mean, they were chasing Jed Anderson from all reports pretty hard with, with, with the purse strings open, so yeah, I'm not sure whether... Yeah, maybe. You know. Maybe I'm wrong. 17 out of 18 points used. Um, mm. Yeah, so maybe they are. Broderick Church turning back the clock. Yeah. Three goals too. Yep, seeing that as well. So, um, did well. Yeah, there's not too much more I can say there. And um, Ash Hamzo has been pretty good for Palmy. Um, obviously down back and carrying a lot of that workload back there. But, uh, yeah. And Young, of course, who we mentioned is another good player for them. Um, but let's talk about um, the Tiwi Bombers. I think that two players I'm interested in hearing your opinion on is Thaddeus Jimmy and Carlson Cantilla. I have never seen either of those two play. I don't know if you've heard of those two. I think I looked up their Play HQ stats and there's not a lot of information, but they've been named in the best, both of them, those two, in the first two games. Um, I think one of them's playing through the ruck as an undersized ruckman and competed admirably against Matt Dennis, but I reckon it's really exciting that some of these more lesser-known Tiwi types are now coming through and having an impact at Premier League level. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a credit to probably having the competition in the dry mm. um, because Tiwi have needed to have some of these un, you know, um, diamonds in the rough come through um, and you know, and it's looking good in that aspect. And you also add in the Cantilla boys and that that's leading from the front. Yeah. Um, but having these next generation players come through because the older players are pretty done. So that's been a pretty big upside that Patrick Browden's been able to do. Yeah, and the story I heard, and like I said, I can, I'm happy to take responsibility that these are my quotes, but speaking to influential people at the Tiwi Bombers, um, like really influential people, they mm. were telling me that 
Ross Tungatalam and Dion Mankara and players like that may be left out of the side early on, um, you know, to sort of focus on developing some of these younger types. And, and they really want to drive standards at the club and, and, and lift the bar in, in what standards they accept around the footy club. So I think Ross Tungatalam and Dion Mankara are now just sort of working through the process of putting their hand up at training. And, and we're likely to see those two players in Bombers colours too in yep. the next couple of weeks, Tungatalam and Dion Mankara. So I think they will add a little bit more to the club as well. You know, Ross is not the Ross of old. Um, Dion Mankara is still playing pretty good footy the last time I watched him play at Premier League level, but those two will also add a little bit more for the Bombers, won't they, Rob? Yeah, definitely will. Um, I haven't got too much to add for the no. Nightcliff Wanderers game. All right, let's talk about that. The Tigers, 20-goal-8, defeated Wanderers, 10-11-71. I think the story of that game, a couple of things. Adrian Scott named best on ground for Nightcliff. He's a junior that I've seen play before and one that I've been really, really impressed by. Um, Cody Zust, Zust, Zust. Yeah, how are you pronouncing right. that? 27 disposals and five goals. A Port Adelaide uh, Sandful forward, but 27 and five is a very handy day at the office. Obviously, Brody Philo got big numbers. I wonder if Brody Philo pulled Lee Crossman aside after looking at him getting omitted from the best players and said, excuse me, Lee, we don't do that around here um, <laughs> because I would have put Philo in the best there pretty comfortably, I reckon. And, of course, those... Like, Lachlan Tardrew is a co-captain of Collingwood VFL, so a very handy resume. He comes straight in and had 25 disposals. And Cooper Darms played at Central District in the Sandville. He had his 24 touches as well and six tackles. So really good inclusions there by the Tigers. Yeah, I've only, I've only got one comment there, Clarky, and it's just that, you know, not Wanderers down by 10 goals at halftime, lose by 10 goals. You can't be down by 10 goals at halftime. They um, definitely just, they just started pretty slow. Yeah, it was... Well, we had a group chat, Rob, and, and one of the participants in the group chat said, geez, this is going to be 150, 200 points or whatever, mm. um, you know, early on. And I thought, can't be that bad, can it? And check the live score. And it was bad. It was like 50, 60 points really early in the second Pressure quarter. Pressure really bad. Yep, you're not going to win too many games of football like that. We do need to go to the news. I thought Marlon Motlop was pretty good. 27 disposals and two goals. Um, Matthew Motlop's playing decent football. Yep. Nathan Arben, you know, doing his bit. That's why he's mentioned. Back to Nycliffe. Well done, Adrian Scott. As we said, one to watch for the future. Michael Mummery and Brett Kennedy kicked three goals each. Um, and yeah, I so think good. the Tigers got the job done. They, you know, look pretty impressive. A 57-point win. They sort of took their foot off the pedal a little bit in the last half, but you can expect that when you're 10 goals up at the main break. So another good win by the Tigers. They will bank that and move on. We do need to go to the news, but stay with us. There's still plenty more of footy to talk about here at SEN Fridays in the Top End. Well, welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Robbie, I feel very... Guilty. I don't think we have given enough love to the Women's Premier League on here, and that's my fault. You've always done your notes and been well prepared, and we've just simply ran out of time. So we're going to make sure that we can get it in this week. The Women's Premier League has started, of course. Samaria's and Pint are the only undefeated teams at this stage. Sorry, that's not true. Palmerston are 2-0 and zero with a bye. Um, but they have won three games, St. Mary's and Pint. They look like the benchmark teams. Waratah have been really unlucky. They've had a difficult draw and have had a couple of narrow losses. I think they'll be thereabouts again. Um, the, unfortunately, the, the result that stood out for me last week was the huge smashing um, in the game. Was that Wanderers and Nycliffe? Nycliffe won yep. by 256 points. So that's a big, big result. Where are you seeing... Sorry, I'm trying to buy a time here as I get my women's results up. No, you can cut what's, through um, to me. Yeah, mate. What's, where are you seeing the comp? 
Yeah, I'm seeing it similar, mate. Um, I did predict early on, I thought the Palmy were going to be okay with those young girls, mm. and they do look okay, I think. And I think Nycliffe are going to be pretty good as well with those VFL girls coming in. And obviously it's very interesting. We spoke about it earlier in the show. Um, not in the show, but in, I think it was in a break. But Nycliffe kicking 40 goals, and mm. you had Cassidy McWilliam kick 12, Michaela Ward kick 9, and Sophie Berry kick 5, and none of those girls are named the best players. So yeah. that's an interesting one. I don't... Don't know about that. But, nah. yeah, Wanderers really struggling in the women's and haven't scored a point yet I in love three games. Those best player discrepancies, they make me laugh yeah. so much. Michael Mummery in the juniors kicked 15 out of 23 for Southern Districts and didn't get in the best. And then Damien Cupido. The worst one I've seen was Damien Cupido down south, I think, for Oyen, kicked 18 goals out of 25. Did not get named in the best. I am, um, yeah. I, well, I think one game I had Bo Ted Castle playing and he kicked eight or nine and I put him second best and I felt mm. bad doing that that day. Yeah. And I don't think he got votes in the umpires and, he's, and he won the Hickman that year. So it's like interesting stuff, isn't it? But, yeah, 100%. Um, so but, 40 goals, 16, 256 to zero. Wanderers are in struggle street at the moment. Um Commendations to Wanderers. It sucks when you play and you lose like that, but they rock up week after week. I don't think this weekend against St. Mary's is going to get any better for them, Rob. No, it's not. Um, so, yeah, hopefully the Wanderers ladies keep their heads up and can get something out of the season. Yep. Speaking of St. Mary's, their opponents this week, they won 148-0. to zero. District struggling a bit, but Saints, on the other hand, looking pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, a little bit of a surprising result that Southern Districts didn't even score as well. Southern Districts aren't normally a bad no. side in the women's. They're pretty consistent. And looking at their team sheet and their names, there's a lot of familiar names there. So that was a pretty big surprise. But I do think, you know, St. Mary's they are going to be a pretty handy side. And Jordan Misford's, you know, a, a good recruit that they've brought in. And they are flying a few girls in that, that do have good accolades. And Gemma Kono now is one of the leaders at the club. Yeah. Emma Stark has kicked six goals last week. So she's kicked nine goals in two games. We speak a lot about Emma Stark and she gets a fair bit of media coverage with her umpiring and everything else, but she can play footy too. She's still only, what, 16, 17 years old. Um, so to kick six goals in a Women's Premier League game is a good effort and she's one that will develop into a very, very fine footballer. And Emily Forshaw as well is not a bad um, a red-haired girl that plays sort of through the middle and back line and a pretty yep. good lockdown player. So they've got a good side. They'll, they'll be contending. As you said, Iacono started the season really well and Geordie Mifsud comes with some great credentials, won the VFL Women's League medal this year, so mm. can clearly play. Um, all right. Palmy. Pint. Oh, so, Palm, no, yep. we'll talk Palmerston because I want to mention Marika Carlton. Yep. Um, five goals and best on ground against the Tiwi Bombers last weekend. Three goals and a Rising Star nomination in round one. She... I've said it before in the show, and I'm going to go strong on this. Marika Carlton and another female footballer, Peggy Rock, in my opinion, are the two most talented footballers in the Northern Territory at the moment in regards to future AFL prospects and who's going to develop. Um, you know, not throwing shade on the boys, but but we need someone to step up in that in that area because, mm. yeah, not that it's an issue. I couldn't vote for anyone. <laughs> no, no, but, but Marika Carlton and, and, um, and Peggy Rock, for that matter, they stand out to me. And there is such thing as jumping the gun and going too early, but they look like, Gee, top 10, top 15 picks. They look really, really good at the moment from what I've seen. So Carlton, five goals last weekend. She's a double bottom age player, still not eligible until the 2025 draft. So a bit of time there to develop. Um, The Magpies are looking pretty good. How is Tiwi Bombers under their new alignment this year? Not new alignment, but sort of strengthening alignment with Tracy Village. How are they looking? Uh, I think I've I've only seen them down at Southern Districts Oval and they look like they had a few young girls in. So I think... 
getting these games into young girls at NTFL level is going to be paramount for them. Are they Tiwi girls? Yeah, young Tiwi girls and that I've seen. So, you know, they get exposing to the level, which is pretty handy. And, geez, I I do think we're going to see more of these Marika Carlton, Peggy Rock types coming through the women's um, system with Mm. the women's development. You know, I think my little niece has started the under in under 10s and, uh, you know, a lot of girls' sides are starting up. So Mm. we're going to see these players coming through. But it's hard to argue with what you're saying, Clarkie, about them two being the most talented juniors because I couldn't see anyone else contending. And that's both genders. Yep. Uh, we will talk about the last one before we go. Pint and Waratah, pretty high standard game this one. Um, Pint are looking dangerous. They have, what, 100 players to choose from? <laughs> They've yeah. got a huge list. Uh, multiple women's teams out there. Rick Nolan's done a great job as the coach of the Women's Premier League team. Any team with Jasmine Hewitt going to be dangerous. I think she's one of the best players in the comp easily. She's dominated final series after final series. Steph Lawrence is kicking a lot of goals up forward too. And Amy Chittick's played good football for a long time up in the territory. So they're going to be tough to beat. Maybe this year we can do an SEN Top N10 for the women's. Clark, if you want to drive that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Waratah's had a girl, Victoria Winstanley, who's a, I think she's a... Queensland girl, Aboriginal girl, um, come over. She was named best as well. And Jenna Singh Lippo is yeah, obviously um, a very good talent. And Kira Zarafa is only she's a young too, captain. Yeah. She's only probably, oh, I reckon she'd be 19. So. She's the captain. Yeah, she's the captain of the club, which is a, a big endorsement for her. Um, but, yeah, well, I think Waratahs probably won't be a top three side this year, I'm guessing, at the moment. But mm-hmm. they'll be around that four five and, you know, so who, win a few finals. Who have you got in that top three space? Is that like Saints, Pints, Nycliffe, maybe? Yeah, I like Palmy as well. Yeah, um, like yeah so Nycliffe and Palmy three and four, and then probably Waratahs five. And I reckon Saints are the best side right now. Um, so I've got Saints Pints at the top two. And putting my bias hat on, the Buffets obviously have a lot oh, of work Buffett's. to do. I oh, think you think so. there's still a chance? For yeah, finals? I think so. Um, Buffets versus Palmerston. Is actually a tough game to tip in the NTFL tipping comp where well, the guru sits number two, baby. Well, the Buffets are just too up and down for me. They yep. got smashed in the first week and then smashed the opposition last week. So I think it's gonna, we're going to have to wait a couple more weeks to see where Buffs sit against their teams like, you know, Nycliffe and Saints and Waratahs of this world, I reckon. Yep. Well, yeah, I'm tipping Palmy to beat them in the women's tonight. Um, yep. But let's see. Let's see. That's 6 o'clock tonight. Um, while we're there, we'll go through the tips really quick. Districts versus Pints tomorrow in the women's. Yep. 12 o'clock TIO 1. I'm going Pints. Yep. Same. Nycliffe and Terry Bombers. Yep. It's 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Go so. the Tigers there. Tigers? Yeah, I'm going to Tigers. Um, and then St. <laughs> can, can Mary's. You, can you go on margin? I'm not going to ask you who's going to win that game. Yeah. Go on. Say I'm something. going Saints, I reckon. Um, <laughs> say something disrespectful. Like, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> What's the margin going to be? You'll go conservative. 250? 250, I reckon. Do you reckon? Nah, I reckon What's the docket, Tracy, there? What's the what? What's it like there? Quick deck. I don't know. The timekeeper's got their hand on the button to stop the, stop the clock. Yeah. It's, if, look, it's going to be ugly. If you're Smithy, I'll get someone behind the goals and booting the footy back quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, um, I'd, I'd just fly down here pontering just to make it make it even more entertaining. Yeah. I'd, yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen Gemma Arcona on Wednesday and she said they're oh, bringing a, a full... Uh, they're going to have a strong side, I think she said. So, yeah. it could be pretty... Um, could go ugly, but who knows? I predicted that last year and Wanderers had a really good performance. So, we'll see what happens. Yep, see how we go. Best of luck to the Wanderers girls. We might go to a break and then get into all of this weekend's NTFL Men's Premier League action and sort of really digest some of the big recruiting news that we've received throughout the week. Stay with us here at SEN Fridays in the Top End. Live on SEN Top End, 16, 11 a.m. 
This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horndarwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horndarwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. This is Jacko. Alongside me is Robbie the Guru Hale. We are previewing NTFL Round 4 action, which kicks off tonight, Rob, at Kazali's Arena between the Darwin Buffaloes and the Palmerston Magpies. Obviously, some big inclusions by the Buffaloes. How's this one going to go? Yeah, it's the t- NT News um, tipping comp margin game of the round. Mm. So it is an interesting one. I do think Buffs are going to... Oh, they've, fi- they've fielded probably one of their strongest sides in the last few years, and you didn't mention, but it was Nick, Yar- Nick Yaron's in, so... Nick Yaron's playing, and I yeah. will say Nick Yaron has looked exceptional on the track. He has been very vocal. His skills have looked very sharp, and he's ready to go. That's good to hear. Um, Fair but, on ball, yeah. line up. So Definitely, yep. The on-ball lineup is we've got Chris Atkinson rucking, and then you have Reese Matheson, the ex-Brisbane Lions player. Um, so Reese Matheson played, where's my notes, played 72 games for the Brisbane Lions after eight seasons on the list. Now, he's been dominating in the VFL despite not playing much AFL football over the past couple of years. He's getting 40-plus regularly at VFL level. He will join the Buffaloes team alongside Mitch Robinson, who, of course, Buffs supporters will be familiar with, played 11 games for the club last year. And Blake Coleman is the other who will make his debut. Kicked 22 goals from 15 games in the VFL this season, which is a handy return for a small forward. He's the younger brother of Brisbane defender Kadeen Coleman. So he joins uh, the team, Matheson, Robinson. Timmy Eldridge is back after an ankle injury. Kelvin Williams is back into the team. We haven't seen a lot of Kelvin Williams over the last couple of years, but a very good defender. Um, and there's a couple of other inclusions as well. Joey Collinson's back. Tyrese Raymond will play his first game of the season. And I hope I haven't missed anyone. But fair few changes for the bus, but a lot of quality coming in. Definitely. And um, this is a side note, and this is probably random, but um, I actually like that Buffaloes have actually named their team. Hmm. In positions, yeah, no, nah, that's exactly from what I can see. That's that's where, that's how the club was read out last night. Yeah, it looks on the money. So I actually enjoy that. Well, yeah, we don't play funny buggers, mate. <laughs> what you see, what you see is what you get. Yep. So I'm happy with that. It's Guru's happy. Moment. We're not thinking Palmerston have named their team in no, position. I don't think. Um, Kale Cossack's not rucking, is he? No. no don't who they got here. I doubt Ashton Hams goes full forward too. No. So they haven't done it. And looking at St Mary's, they've named. Yep, they haven't done it either. Wanderers sort of looks around the mark. I don't mind if you move around a few players, but I like what Cameron Stokes has done. They're actually naming the team. You're not fooling us, Palmerston. If you do your homework enough, you know how sides are going to line up, don't you? But anyway, Mm. it is what it is. I'm tipping Buffaloes by 40 points. Mm. Any chance that our last conversation was on air? I just got got a birthday invite. Um, which was out of the blue. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so so uh, I should have been listening. Um, Buffalo's by how many points? Uh, 40. Yeah. Look, What's your be, margin you're pre- nah, predicting? I, I can't do that. Um, but I'll be out there tonight, hopefully getting a kick running around with me sore foot. Um, I'm looking forward to playing alongside the barometer, Reese Matheson. 
um, old Beast Mob was at training last night with Robbo and a lot of energy. Blake Coleman. Oh, a lot of energy. A lot of energy. But the energy is always made by Mitch Robinson. Like that's yeah. always the if we're talking the barometer for energy, it's always Mitch Robinson. So yeah. um, really good to have him back. He's signed at Lauderdale in the Tasmanian State League. He's still looking really fit. Um, I think there's a bit of a bidding war for Matheson Services uh, in country Victoria. He wants to be a police officer, Matho. So I'm um, not too sure what training and that sort of stuff he's doing with that. But I read an article where he wants to eventually join the SWAT team and yeah, be a cop and get into that side of life. He really is a combative guy, um, Matho. Yep. So interesting stuff there. How do you reckon he'll go? Do you reckon he's going to be one of those players that won't adjust to Darwin footy or is he going to hit the ground running and get his 30? I've got a vibe that he's going to yeah adapt to it. I think he's probably more... Yeah, I've got a good vibe that he'll adapt. Yeah. Um, Kelvin Williams, a good friend of mine. Do need to go to a break soon, but um, obviously I'm going to be biased any any conversation I have with Kelvin. He's one of my better mates, but a bloke who really talented as a junior. I went to the draft camp um, and then received interest even as a mature ager. Got picked up by Liam Pickering as his manager. He might hate me for sharing this story, but Pickering was his manager and we were in a little cafe in Richmond. Pickering's at one end, Kelvin's the other end. We walked past each other in this little narrow hallway. Not one single bit of acknowledgement. I said, um, isn't that your manager? <laughs> and he was like, well, I thought it was, but... Yeah, it's a fickle world. If you stop playing good footy, they don't want to know you. But um, Kel Williams is back for the Buffalo, so a good inclusion there, Rob. Yeah, definitely. Good to see Kelvin back, and he is that Mr. You know, Mr. Gadget down back. And, mm. you know, having local boys return to your footy clubs always Zero good. pointers. Zero pointers, yeah. 100%. We do need to go to a break. There's still two more games that we need to go through. We're going to catch up with Andrew O'Toole and Craig Driver, hopefully, as well. So stay with us here at SEN Fridays in the Top End. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11 a.m. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end. I have a whole bunch of bacon and eggs in my mouth, Robbie. But we need to talk about Tracy Village. They are up and about in the Division 1 competition. 144-point uh, win over Banks, your reserves, last weekend. Mm. Um, I can't wait until our man Raf Clark returns so I can grill him about how St Mary's are going to compete with Tracy Village and Jabiru and, and dare I say the top teams of the Division 1 competition. So, well, did you see Raf commented on the morning? I did, post? I did. <laughs> well, your, he might have been a few froffies deep. Did, what, was your, what was your take on that? How did you read Raf's comment? I don't know. I'm not happy Bring with it on. the signings. Bring it Maybe. on. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's a bit random. <laughs> don't know what time it was over in the States. Uncle Raf, he had had a couple. Oh. But that was funny. what time it was over in oh, the States. If they're flying in six blokes, it's going to be very hard to complete with it if that's what they're doing, which is like rumoured. Well, how's I that Clyde DeClace fella? Oh, I thought it looked familiar. I was looking no. at him like, Does, who's that? And I didn't bother to look up the team sheet. But Finished geez. top five in Werribee's best and fairest this year. He had like 28 disposals and a goal in the prelim, or 33 and a goal in the prelim, 28 and a goal in the grand final. This year in the VFL. Hmm. Um I googled his name and most of the results I found were people in like draft threads saying how is this guy not playing AFL he's got the running capacity to play AFL he'd be a top 10 wingman in the AFL things like that so yeah. um, if we're talking about a guy like that playing what's essentially third division footy up here in the division one competition um, 
they're going to really be a tough team to beat, aren't they, the Razorbacks? Yeah, well, when I went to go pick up Cobber from the airport, I actually seen him walking out with Werribee shorts on, I think it was, and I looked at him and I went, geez, he looks familiar. Mm. But yeah, is what it is, mate. 100%. Well done to new coach Nigel Sibson and everyone else there. And um, I don't think they're done yet, mate. I think they're still um, casting the net for their recruitment, and I reckon they may even add to that team. So. Yep. They're my tip at this stage. I'm sorry, Raf. I'm gonna have to talk to Raf next week. We all are. We're gonna have to work sorry, out Mark. what he's yeah, what he's gonna have to combat the uh, the Razorbacks. But we do need to go to a break. Plenty more NTFL action to talk about when we return, though. Sen Fridays on the top end. Live on Sen Top End, 16:11 a.m. Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darling, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end. I am Jacko. Across from me is Robbie the Guru Hale. We are talking about this weekend's NTFL action. We've already spoken about tonight's game between Palmerston and the Darwin Buffaloes and the big inclusions that the Buffs have. Tomorrow we have Southern Districts versus Pint. Match of the round for me, I reckon, or really, really close to it. Should be a very entertaining contest. The big news this week was the return of Nakaya Cockatoo, who will return to his junior club, Southern District. First time he will play for the Crocs in about a decade, I suppose. Has been named on an extended bench, but I received confirmation from the club yesterday that he will play for the Crocs tomorrow. So a big return there. Definitely is Clarky, and um, yeah, and Liam Holtz fits back for pints. This is an interesting tipping game. I'd like to see how people are going to tip this one. I personally am tipping Southern Districts um, for a number of factors. I think Districts are probably, you know, I think they'll be better for the run now. You know, I'm a few new blokes, and the two are top. Two o'clock time slot for Pints. Mm. They um, have it hasn't been a successful yeah. time slot, no. that one for Pints. Um, made the joke every week, but the old Pint vampire joke where they just can't win during the day. Um, Paddy Doyle was really big on that stat. So hopefully for the Green Ants, they can turn it around. But Districts are in need of a win too. One win, two losses. They're pretty strong. Jared Brander up forward. Matthew Johnston around. Jed Anderson still in the midfield. Of course, Nakaya comes in and he'll add a lot. Pints are pretty reasonable as well. Jai Shawcraft through the midfield. Uh, they've kept most of their good players. Rory Taggart, he's back into the lineup, the former Melbourne rookie, and has played a lot of good football in South Australia. Um, Stephen Motlop, an emergency. Yeah, I, I, I think I've heard he's injured, though. Tell. I've heard he could be injured. Well, don't name him. Honestly, I don't know. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't Like I said, I don't mind if teams want to get their little advantage and name Stephen if he's not playing and things like that, but... I wouldn't mind seeing the NTFL make a few different little rule changes to tidy up that emergency and interchange list that we complain about every week when we go through the teams. Yeah. Um, all righty. Tips? I'm actually tipping Southern Districts, so I think Districts will get it done. Um, obviously, it's a line ball tip, but I think the 2 o'clock time slot, and I think Districts are sort... They need the win, don't they, Districts? They're sitting seventh. Yeah, I actually am in agreement with you, Rob. I think that, you know, we both rate Pint. We tipped them against Waratah last weekend, so it's not like it's an anti-Pint thing, but I just think Districts are going to rebound hard here. I think they've got a good team on paper, and it's not quite clicking for them. Um, but I'm expecting them to get the job done here. So Southern Districts for mine as well. Yep. Any more to say or shall we move on? No, I'm pretty happy with that uh, comprehensive analysis. Beautiful. <laughs> All righty. Tiwi Bombers and Nycliffe. Really, really looking forward to this game too. Given it's a doubleheader on Saturday afternoon, it might be worth popping over to TIO Stadium to watch these two games. Um, Nycliffe and Tiwi Bombers. 
Tigers, 57-point winners last week against Wanderers, so they'll be full of confidence. The Tiwi Bombers, 43-point winners against Palmerston. They've had a great start to the season after what was a lot of positivity during the preseason. So they'll be looking to ride that momentum. They have added a couple of Albury Tigers stars. So Albury Tigers play in the Ovens and Murray competition. A very good competition down in country Victoria. So they should hit the ground running and be pretty good inclusions. And... Nycliffe are fairly strong as well. I don't know who that private player is in the midfield. Is that one of their recruits from last week? I'm not too sure. Um, but there's a private player named Straight on Ball. So who could who knows who that is? He could be handy. Uh, John Butcher up forward. Kyle Emery's been a little bit out of sorts this year, but kicked a goal last weekend, and he'll build into his form as well. Gee, I don't know. I don't know who I'm tipping this one. What's your take on this one? Yeah, my, I, I think... It's, it's, it's a tale of two. It's going to be two different game styles, isn't it? Mm. If Tiwi can get ahead, like, Nycliffe are a bit older and slower. So if Tiwi are going to have a lot of opportunities exploiting them with pace. Um, but I do think Nycliffe just probably have the cream in the top liners. I do like the look of Riley Bice as that fly-in from the Aubrey Tigers. And I've you know, seen his name. Well credentialed. Yeah, and obviously it comes up when you, as myself, as being a coach. I was like, geez, maybe this is a player we could target. Mm. Um, but it's good that, you know, Tiwi have got a hold of him. But um, I just... I think Tiwi could be like can be very competitive in this, but I'm probably doing the safer bet, mate, and going with Nycliffe. Yeah, I think this is a big. What a statement it would be if Tiwi mm. Bombers come out and win this game. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that. I think you're right. If there was anything riding on this one, I'd be going for Nycliffe. I think maybe a bit of height could cause them problems. Like Cameron Isle, not a big player, but can sort of play bigger if he's up forward. John Butcher, Kyle Emery, Liam Buxton in the ruck, also coincidentally formerly played for Tiwi Bombers. Um, so he will give first use to players like Philo. I'd expect Philo to go 30-plus again. Um, and then their second-string midfielder types to run around and get a bit of the ball as well. Brett Kennedy's kicking goals, former Banks player, kicked three last weekend and has kicked, you know, he's averaging two or three a game, hitting the scoreboard, so he'll probably yeah. kick a few this weekend as well. You don't, um, Riley Bice, you know, he plays at Aubrey Tigers and obviously um, Brody Philo's played in the R&M for a few years now. I'd probably want to maybe put Bice on Philo. That's a not as a tag-in role. role, but just head-to-head work head head and just make him, both, make him accountable a bit for Philo because this is a danger game for Tiwi. I think Tiwi can honestly win this game of football. Mm. But if you let Brody Philo do what he wants, it's a recipe for disaster for any side. So yep. it's a very similar thing to what clubs do with Dill Lant and Jared Stokes. Uh, 100%. And a shout-out to the debutante for Tiwi Bombers down back, Jordan Briston. Oh, yeah. Geordie Briston playing. That's um, add a little bit of size and... Yeah, he's pretty... Um, yep, so playing full back there. That's interesting. Um, so, yeah, good luck to Geordie. All right, so you're tipping the Tigers, the safe bet? I'm going safe. Yeah. You're going Tiwi? Uh, no. Scared. No. Yeah, I am a bit scared. I, I do think that Tiwi are a chance. I think they can win this game, but I feel like I'm being a bit disrespectful to Nycliffe on this coverage. I said after their loss in round two against Pints, it was kind of our chatter on here were like, where to for Nycliffe and stuff like that. I listened back and, and it sounded like it was a little bit doom and gloom when I was talking about Nycliffe. And then 57-point win against Wanderers last week was really, really impressive. So I think out of respect for Tigers, you've got to bank them in to get the job done against Tiwi Bombers. So I'm going to back them in by, gee, I don't know about a margin. I'll go 25 points, 20 points. I just think Nycliffe have shown their hand, if I'm going to be honest. I think yeah, because of the player hub, you can see they've got seven fly-ins used already. Mm-hmm. So we know what their best side probably is, and we know who's sort of here. So that's but, why I think 
which yeah. isn't the worst thing. Because I was going to say, buffs are creeping up there too. Like, we've played yeah. about seven fly-ins after our two inclusions yeah. next week. Just quite and you've got to remember also, Waratahs last year, I reckon Waratahs played 17 or 18 of their premiership side played round one, which is, as a coach, I'd love to have a, a strong side from the start. Mm. But I think Nycliffe have showed, shown their hands, so it'd be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, um, well, turning, not making this a buff show and being biased and all that stuff, but I think that's what's really impressed me about the way We've handled things this year going into these early games strong and not mm. thinking, oh, well, look, it's just Wanderers or, you know, Tiwi or Palmston. We should be able to beat them with a local team, but having those full contingent of three fly-ins ready to go from round one, round two, round three, um, I think it's really important because wins before Christmas are worth just as much as they are after Christmas, aren't they, Rob? Yep, definitely. They'd be in a good position. So, All right. I'm Sunday. sticking with Duncliffe. Yep, let's go to Sunday's game. St. Mary's taking on Wanderers. Not too sure whether we need to go to a break or how much we're going to get this out, but let's start discussing it. Tracy Village Oval, which is a bit of an un- unusual fixture. We don't see a lot of Premier League footy here, but we've seen it a bit more over the last couple of years, to be fair. St. Mary's, is they're going to go in hot favourites, aren't they? They've had a couple of good inclusions, which we will go through. Um, Wanderers, you know, have shown signs this year. They were probably the, the negative talk during the preseason. Oh, how are Wanderers going to go? How many games are they going to win? But they've exceeded expectations a little bit in the first couple of weeks. A poor first half last weekend and an opportunity to redeem themselves this Sunday. How's this one going to go? Um, yeah, I, it is a Wanderers home game at TV. So all you Wanderers fans get down there, buy beer, um, and get down a pay some money and uh, mm. get, you know it all goes back to the club um, yeah. some Saints players. I, I think this is, this one's a danger game I'd like to see who goes the Calder yeah. I'd like to see what Warren Motlop has in store for Lance you need something does Taylor um, go to Calder I think so looking at that back line it looks like the obvious matchup um, and Taylor you know Taylor's had good games on him um, so that's an interesting one but I still think Calder gets five um, the way he plays but I don't see a way that Wanderers win this. No. I don't think they will win either. I don't think they have enough class or talent to match some of St. Mary's as better players. And we need to acknowledge some of the inclusions for St. Mary's. So Joel Garner and Sam Glover are two really good VFL players. Garner played four AFL games for Port Adelaide and is coming off an excellent 2023 season down south. So... Played 11 games for Footscray with a 37 disposal, 13 tackle performance against Williamstown, the highlight of his season. They're good numbers, Rob. 37 disposals, 13 tackle. But if you think that's a big game, he also had a 46 disposal, 7-goal game while playing for Wandon in the Outer East Football League. Premier Data do statistics. They don't do the stats up here. That's night vision analysis. But Premier Data do the statistics down south, and that was their highest-rated game of the year. Any standard of football, of all the stats they ever took, only one game had 300 plus in the ranking points, and that was Ghana's 46 disposal, seven goal game playing for Wandon. So um, if you can get half of those numbers in Darwin, he'll be a very handy inclusion for St. Mary's and the next AFL player you'd expect him to have a big impact. Sam Glover's a Collingwood VFL player who kicked 18 goals from 11 games this year and also played a bit of footy in Ballarat. And then they've also got Charlton Offermans, who's a Queensland footballer, um, played a little bit of footy at Brisbane Lions and Southport and also Labrador. So some big, big inclusions there for the Saints. Definitely, mate. And we go with margin before we have to go to a break there, mm-hmm. Clarky. But I'm, I'm probably tipping Saints by about 100 points. Yeah, so that's a big call. And, and, and like, I credit you for coming out and, and saying that. Not many people would in the media. You think they're going to win by 100. You think it's going to get ugly. Yeah, very ugly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with... And what margin are you going? 
No, I'm more conservative. I genuinely think Wanderers are going to show a little bit here and, and Saints won't run away with it. And this could be famous last words. And, and I look forward to your text in the group Put chat on, on, it, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going, I'm going St. Mary's by 55. All right. We've got 55. A bit of, yeah, that's a bit of yeah, leeway yeah. either way. 300 in the women's. No, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Um, all right, we do need to go to a break. 300 combined. <laughs> Plenty more. No, generous. Plenty more to talk about uh, here at SEN Fridays in the top end. Stay with us. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raph Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raph Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the Top End. It is time for Andrew O'Toole from Thoroughbred Racing NT. Andrew, are you here this morning? I certainly am. Uh, morning, boys. Morning, mate. Yeah, good to hear from you, Andrew. Uh, we've got a race card tomorrow in Darwin on, on uh, yeah. Cox Plate Day. That's right. Yeah, always a great day, Cox Plate Day. Uh, a little bit just light on uh, size in uh, two or three of our fields tomorrow. Um, hopefully... Uh, uh, if you look at it on a positive note, uh, that augurs well for Melbourne Cup Day in 10 days' time. Uh, hopefully we'll get uh, some decent-sized fields on that big day. But um, nevertheless, um, it's still a good little card tomorrow. We get underway at 2.52pm. Let's hope the breeze gets up in the afternoon because it's pretty warm, as you guys would uh, attest to. And our last at 5.22 tomorrow. No worries. Have we got um, any bets, best bets of the day there yeah. from you, Andrew? I'll probably uh, shy away from those uh, little fields up the top because um, uh, there's going to be some short price favourites in the first three. Number, number uh, race one, number two, Son of Bilski, he'll be the favourite. Uh, race two, number one, changes coming. He'll be very short as will race three, number one, Doc O'Connor. So we'll go to the fourth, um, the maiden. That's our biggest field of the day. Nine runners there, and I thought number two, Gunshot Glitter, got his chance to, um, or gets his chance rather, to break through here. Mark Pegas takes the mount. He was in the winners' circle last week, and he's got a nice little book of rides. Has um, Gus this week. He takes them out here for Ella Clark, of course, daughter of our 11-time leading trainer and Gary, and Gunshot Glitter has run second. Uh, his last two runs, a really good run last time out, and I think um, from uh, the barrier of five, which is in the middle of the line, gets its chance to uh, break through for a well-deserved win. So race four, number two, Gunshot Glitter, my best of the day. No worries, Andrew. I'm also, mate, obviously Cox Plate tomorrow. Have you got anything there for the uh, listeners at home? Yeah, it's a good race, isn't it? It always is. So just looking back at a few old uh, replays this week of uh, Cox Plates and brings back some great memories. Uh, the Maccabi Divas and the Bone Crushers and uh, uh, Fields of Omar, all those great horses that have won uh, Cox Plates uh, over the years. I'm a bit keen on the three-year-old guys, uh, Militarised, trained by Chris Waller and to be ridden yep. by uh, Australian uh, jock Zach Purton. Um, I just think the 2,000 metres will suit him and uh, just forget his run in the Caulfield Guineas last time. So um, that's my tip in the uh, Cox Plate, Militarised. Thanks very much, Andrew. Really appreciate that. You have a good weekend. Good on you, guys. Have a good weekend yourselves. Cheers. See Andrew. Andrew O'Toole, NT Thoroughbred Racing, the best show on sand in the top end this Saturday, Robert. Well done there, mate. Geez, hey. it's going to be hot for the horses. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Hey, we're going to freestyle this a little bit. I've had some interesting discussions during the week, and they're ongoing discussions. We've spoken about it before on air about junior football in the Northern Territory, where it's at, what the pathway is like uh, for junior footballers into the elite system up in the Territory. 
The main concerns that I've spoken about in recent weeks, or probably the main concerns that have been spoken to me, rather, I haven't said a lot, um, has been that 12 to 15 age group. And a lot Mm. of parents and junior coaches and people involved in that age group are a little concerned about whether the best opportunities are in the territory for their kids if they want to play football at the elite level. Now, you're in a pretty good position, I think, to have this conversation with Robert. You've been involved in the State Academy program. You've kept a keen eye on junior football. You've coached under-18 premierships. And I suppose, more importantly, you're a father. And um, father of three soon, congratulations. But um, yep. a father been of... busy. Yeah, a father <laughs> of a boy who's 11, Sebastian. Yeah. And so he's going to enter that 12 to 15 age group soon. He loves his footy, so he's a type that will want to get the most out of his football. Do you have any concerns, as a parent in the territory having a, a kid coming through that 12 to 15 age group? Yeah, I do have concerns. Um, I, I, I think the league have re- sort of relaxed that rule about playing two games. So I think yeah. that is a positive. So um, two games on the one weekend, you're saying? Yeah, so I think that's changed. I think now, for me, though, I think you've got to be more proactive as a parent, perhaps. You can't just let your kid play in the age group. Mm-hmm. Um, my son was a pretty slow developer, but he was, you know, he's, I think, Stapo named him third best on the weekend, so he's starting to perform good in that pre-season. twelve. Yeah, he did put in a big preseason, got in the gym. <laughs> he's, so he's so I'm looking to put him in the fourteen div too when I can, um, whenever they're obviously whenever there's spots there available. Um, but I do understand the concerns that people have, and some of those are an AFL issue that there isn't funding um, provided. We should really have academy sort of sides twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I'd love to see the funding and how the money's provided and how the money's sourced and compare between, say, the Sydney Academies and the Giants Academies um, with the territory. And I'd also love to compare the funding and what junior football is like in Tasmania compared to the Northern Territory. I think that might be the best comparison, having a look at what programs are going on in Tasmania and then seeing whether we can make some little improvements. But I think across the board, there's issues everywhere. I've been on lo- online, I've been on social media, and I know mm-hmm. there was a lot of Tasmanians complaining about their pathway um, and, and where, where kids are at. So I'm not too sure whether like these other states have it perfect and where the one's falling behind, but it does look like that when you look at the results. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see the funding model to it. So mm-hmm. everyone can be critical of the NTFL, and I'm sure there are moments where you can be criti- critical to that, but the, it, is, it is funded by the AFL. Yeah. So... That does matter. And, you know, even, for example, Brent Renoff coaching the Thunder program, coaching, I think he was had to coach across four age groups. So mm. that's just... And different genders. Different too. genders. And I think there's coaches that prefer to coach different genders. So yeah. I think that in itself sort of explains the issue of, you know, not having enough funding to fund good coaches in those I areas. I don't think that's bad or sexist either, that no. some coaches really work well with a female group and others work mm. really well with a male group and some don't yep. really combine the two as well as they yeah, may. Yeah, so it is, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's a sore point. I mean, obviously with the age group stuff, I, I think also, Clarky, what another issue is, is that probably the NT rep sides and that sort of thing don't work well with the clubs. I, I'm of the opinion, if you're the best I think they should do a best 15 to 20, 15 to 18-year-olds, and they should be NT Thunder players. Yeah. So they should be at Thunder from Sunday it's to Wednesday. Kind of like the old NTIS setup, where you sort have that elite like that. crew and you sort of do yeah, extra training. I vouch for that, because yeah. I think they've got the facilities there. They train a specialised program on the Sunday. They're expected to come in and do their recovery. Then they train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, weights, Tuesday session, Wednesday yeah. maybe another recovery. Then they go back to their clubs on Thursday. 
Where that breaks down is that the club's not understanding that, and I don't know. That's the big thing to work on. Yeah, so a couple of solutions proposed is this group of people, and there are some big names in this group of people, they want... Uh, more engagement with schools that come up for like school holidays and school camps and that sort of stuff. I know, you know, when we were, I'm not too sure what your experiences were like, but when I was going th- through the under 18 system, we played like, I think Xavier College and Scotch College who were up on holidays and it was a really good hit out, sort of like, you know, po- possibles, probables type games um, for the NT under 18s versus those schools. They want to see more visibility from the coaches. So they want to see, you know, like the State Academy coach being visible at training sessions and junior training sessions and junior games. And um, perhaps there's a bit of criticism that there hasn't been a lot of that in in the last decade or so, um, according to this group. Uh, There's question marks about what Gold Coast Suns offer kids between that 12 to 15 age group. I know... um, John Kenzie did a lot of work with the middle school making the Suns Cup or something like that, I think it was called. I'm not too sure mm. what level of involvement the Gold Coast Football Club actually had with all of that, but um, there are big question marks about what, what the Gold Coast are doing for that 12 to 15 age group in the territory. Um, I don't know, again, like logistically it's hard to sort of propose suggestions when you don't know all the facts, but I think that it would be an ideal situation if it could be somewhat streamlined. So the under-12s in Victoria are playing the same quarters, times, and the same ground sizes as the under-12s in the territory because when you play um, those games at nationals level, so if you represent the Northern Territory under-12, you're playing on a full-size oval. So I think if you're playing under-12s up here, there's got to be more full-size football playing because these kids are going down and playing on a full-size oval for the first time in their life against Victoria. And that's there's no wonder they're getting beaten by 30 girls or 25 yeah, girls. Yeah, unable to run, out, run it out, eh? So, yep. no, that's that's valid. I, I don't... Even though I'm a, not a fan of the minutes, I don't think we can match Victorian minutes. Why just is with that? The, heat? I just think the heat. But maybe we have more room on the bench... Perhaps you've said that. I actually don't mind that what's, idea. What's the discrepancy? Because I agree with you. I think we are... It's hotter up here, so we probably can't match the Victorians. But are we talking the difference between 20 minutes and 10? Or are we talking between 18 I think so. and 12? Like, yep. you know, can we close that maybe some bit? It has to be closed. It's 10-minute quarters isn't enough. It just feels really quick when you go down to the footy. Especially if you've got heaps and heaps of rotations and stuff as well. Yeah. Hey, um, Rob... I don't think we have long left. Um, oh, you can wrap it up, son. Yeah, we might wrap it up, mate. Um, Fury, are going to get the job done against uh, Ngani this week? Yes. Uh, yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> Good luck to all your football teams. Go the bus. Hopefully we shuffle up tonight. Thanks for listening to SEN Fridays in the Top End.